This is the Conduit Church Podcast. It is our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us. Thanks for joining us for this week's teaching. 1 John chapter 4. It is a Super Bowl day. The, uh, is it a Taylor Doodle? Is that the new mascot for the Kansas City Chiefs is the Taylor Doodle? Like she's half poodle, half Taylor Swift. I'm not 100%. I just know this, that my family uh, back home, we are, I mean, I'm from Nebraska. We, got, we don't have much. So they're holding on to Tom Osborne from like the 1990s. Uh, and they're fully embracing the idea that at this point, we just want to make Nebraska mediocre again. Like they're not... I don't remember who made up that phrase, but we're not even looking for great. We'll take mediocre. But Kansas City, that's all we got. So it's like four hours away, so my brothers are acting like that's been their team the whole time, and uh, they're having to plug their nose a little bit with the Taylor Swift effect. But my brothers, if, if, if the Chiefs win today, it's going to be loud in Nebraska. But in the spirit of games, in the spirit of entertainment on a Super Bowl Sunday, let's play a little game here and see if you guys did better than the, uh, the uh, second and first services, because the first and second service, I'm gonna tell you, tanked this. So question, we're gonna play a little game here. We're skipping past the easy ones. We're going all right for the hard ones, right? And this is a game, and Mo will 100% write you a fake million dollar check if we win this. One of them big cardboard ones, like on white, but yeah, you can just put it on your wall. Simple game, who said it? Okay, that's the question. So who said this? A marriage license shall in itself give husband and wife only the right to a common household and not the right to parenthood. Was that A, Gavin Newsom? Any, no? Somebody got a Gavin over here? Was it Hillary Clinton? Takes a village. Okay, we got some Hillary's. Was it Anthony Fauci? Now, I know we all know that wasn't it. I just had to stick that in. That was more for my own entertainment. (laughs) Or was it someone else? Someone else, CJ says someone else. I want to go anyone of Well, it was D, it was someone else. Next statement. This one's for a quarter of a million fake dollars. Who said I believe that now immediately there should be national sterilization for certain dysgenic types of our population who are being encouraged to breed and would die out were the government not feeding them? Was that A, Adolf Hitler? Was it B, Joseph Stalin? Was it C, Fidel Castro, God bless his cigars, but the rest of his thing, not going great. Or D, someone else. Fauci. (laughs) I could have put Fauci, Castro on there. Anyway, okay. It was, uh, you're right, you're catching on. It was someone else. So now we're moving to the half million dollars of fake dollars. This is where the big money comes in, right here. Is it, who said, I accepted the invitation to talk to the Ku Klux Klan. I was escorted to the platform, was introduced and began to speak. In the end though, through simple illustrations, I believe I had accomplished my purpose. Was it Donald J. Trump? Was it Joe Biden? Jeffrey Epstein, before he got, you know. And or was it D, was it someone else? Man, 1 p.m., crushing. It was, in fact, someone else. All right, last one. This is for the big one. This is the million fake dollars. Who said placing so-called illiterates, paupers, unemployables, criminals, prostitutes, and dope fiends on farms and in open spaces as long as necessary 
for the strengthening and development of moral conduct. Was that Xi Jinping? Uh, remember what he did with the Uyghurs, the two million that have been in re-education camps? Was it Vladimir Putin? Was it Karl Marx? Or was it the someone else? Mo, we're going to need a lot of fake checks. Because it was, in fact, someone else. Now, all of these totalitarians had one thing in common, and that is that they all subscribe to the same ideology as someone named Margaret Sanger. What are your religious beliefs, Mrs. Sanger? Do you believe in a God in the sense of a divine being who rewards or punishes people after death? Well, I have a different attitude about uh, the divine. I feel that we have divinity within us. And the more we express the good part of our lives, uh, the more the divine within us uh, expresses itself. Uh, I suppose I would call myself an Episcopalian by, uh, by religion. And there's uh, many other, uh, if you travel around the world, you get quite a bit of the feeling of uh, all, all religions have uh, so much alike in the divine part of our own being. And I suppose you just couldn't put that in a book or you couldn't put it into a, uh, a phrase or a sentence. Do you believe in sin? When I say believe, I don't mean to believe in committing sin. Do you believe there is such a thing as a... As sin? Well, I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things just mark when they're born. That, to me, is the greatest sin that people can, can commit. Here's the reason why that feels demonic. It is. And what John is making crystal clear for us, 1 John chapter 4, is that there are ideologies, there are philosophies, there are worldviews of which we build our lives that if they are not of Christ, they are anti-Christ. And so in chapter 4, verse 1, he doesn't say test the logic of the argument. He doesn't say test the theology behind it. Those are all important. That's what the Bereans did in Acts. They, they heard the teachings and they searched the scriptures to make sure that everything was true. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1, test everything. But here he doesn't say test the teachings. He says, what? Test the spirits. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Behind every ideology, there is a spirit. And the question is, which spirit is behind the idea on which you are building your life? So if you've got your Bibles open, I'm going to read basically verses uh, 13 through 21. And then we're going to circle back here to the beginning of the chapter. So in verse 13, he says, this is how we know we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day 
of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give us wisdom and would you give us insight into your word today? It's a light, it's a lamp, even at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, <laughs> especially at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. I pray that those words become alive in us today. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. How many Gen Zers we got here this morning? We got one. All right, we're rocking it. Two. All right, we're getting there. All right, so I understand that I've just read this passage in the uh, nearly inspired version. But I thought for the purposes of this morning that if just for the, look, if you're not Gen Z, you're about to learn a new language. But I would like to give you this morning, this is not a translation, this is an interpretation of 1 John if you were a Gen Z writing it. You like that, Bobby? <laughs> Yo, squad, let's break it down. Don't just slide into any spiritual DMs without checking the vibes first. That's profound. There's a lot of clout chasers out there pretending. If they're all about Jesus for real, for real, while saying you heart God, that's major sus. You can't be all God is my everything and then ghost your peeps. That ain't it. Love's got no room for ghosting or leaving peeps on red. Wait, read red. Alyssa? Red. Say, on red. I'm asking the 20-year-old. If you're feeling shook, it means you got to level up in love. But it's all good. We're all here trying to get that high score. So the real talk, love starts with him saying, I'm all about God, but dissing your crew? Nah, fam, if you can't heart the squad you see every day, how are you going to heart who's God who's on the spiritual Wi-Fi? God's plan is simple. Heart him and spread that heart to your crew. Keep it 100%. Amen. That is God's word for you, for me. Just want to make sure that we're all understanding what Jesus is saying to us. <laughs> Y'all are offended by the passion translation. How about that? All right, here, all right, here we go. Sorry, too, too soon, hashtag. Uh, <laughs> it's not even dark. Okay, here's, here's for the purposes of getting you out for the puppy bowl. I know that what we're facing right now in this world, there's a whole lot of, well, let me ask you this way. How many in the last three years have been called a conspiracy theorist, right? Most, most of us. And it's because you're seeing these things like, are they trying to, I'm, like, I'm literally trying to not be a conspiracy theory guy. I'm working so hard. Right, and then Jared Kushner buys a building in New York with 666 as the address. So I'm like, come on, dude, throw me a bone. That's a 100% true story. Like, hit the giant statue, like this huge building, and it is 666 is the street. And I'm like, well, doggone it. And then, anyway, my point is, 
there are things that were like, there's gotta be something going on behind the scenes making stuff happen. And so, if I remember right, it's Hanlon's razor is the idea that never to ascribe uh, to malice what could be easily described through incompetence. Have you ever heard this before? Don't ascribe <laughs> to malice what could easily be described as incompetence. Another way of looking at that, though, is sometimes it doesn't matter, don't you? If it, whether it was integrity or just lack of experience, they get the same results, which is a disaster. But what I would like to suggest to you is that what you are sensing behind the scenes, whether there is a cabal, whether it's Klaus Schwab or Dr. Evil, I don't know. Whatever it is, you're not going deep enough because behind the conspiracy theory is what is known as a conspiracy theory. Test the spirits. There is a, there's a conspiracy that's been going on since long before. It started before Genesis 6. It started when the Elohim, the sons of God, came to Mount Hermon, began to conspire against the sons of God. Like that conspiracy has been going on for thousands of years and still exists today. And so whether, I don't know, like, again, I'm trying to not be, and then all of a sudden it feels like, well, that sounds like a whole lot of, to me, like it could be. But here's what I know. Behind all of that, there is a spirit. There is God's Holy Spirit, and then there are the spirits that animate this world. And we have to be sure. We have to look and test and to know that the spirit that we are following is not a false, is not antichrist, but Christ himself. And here's the good news. John says it's not that hard. He tells us, test the spirits. This is not hard. Test them. Test it. See the spirit, the ideology behind it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You're wondering, why in the world did I pull Margaret Sanger into this? I'm going to show you in a minute. Not only do we need to test the spirits, the understanding that if it's not just an idea, but a spirit behind it means we need to learn. We got to overcome those spirits. It's not winning a debate. It's overcoming a demon. And then the third thing is we ourselves only can accomplish this if we are powered by the spirit, not just a spirit. Testing the spirits. This is a phrase I've heard for years. And guys that have been raised in the church, like Ronnie's a pastor's kid. I mean, kid's pastor for years. Like we've all probably heard this thing and taught it almost like it's about doctrine. Like testing the spirits. And I, I literally, I went through John MacArthur. I went through Chuck Smith. I was just listening to see what everybody's take on it was. And for the most part, they focus on the doctrine piece. That is not a bad thing, right? I said it. He says to test uh, First Thessalonians 5, I want to test everything. But that's not what John said. John said, test the spirits. Because behind the idea, there is a spirit that is animating that idea. And that's what we have to test, especially in a day we're in right now. Because somebody might say something that sounds on the surface. Well, that's a pretty good idea. But if you dig beneath and look for the idea behind it, like I would say, for instance, that for the most part, the vast majority of people who would support Planned Parenthood and their ideology now don't even know that Margaret Sanger, the founder of their organization, believed in this idea called eugenics that powered the Holocaust. Now, why I bring it up is because that is clearly a demonic spirit that animated, it started long time ago with killing the Jews, right? In the Old Testament, the Amalekites, like there was a spirit, this identity. And then when it came to killing babies, Moloch in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Caesarea Philippi, there was a God named Pan, who by the way, 
is that I like pan the, the gates of hell. It's at the base of Mount Hermon where it says that the sons of God came and conspired against the, the daughters of men. Like that happened on Mount Hermon and it's at the basis of that where this giant cave is. Like the, those ideas started there and what did they do at that? Remember, Edie, they, they threw the... They threw babies in, on, into the pit to burn them in there. That is a demonic idea that didn't start with Margaret Sanger. It's an idea that has been here since time immemorial. The same spirit. The Bible refers to them as familiar spirits. It's familiar because we see it over and over and over again. That same spirit in Hamas killing infants in their homes is the same demonic spirit that has been around since time immemorial. Test the spirits. Now, Margaret Sanger, that's an easy one for Christians in the South, right? Because for the most part, and I'm not even in a room like this going to assume that everyone would agree with me on this, but I would ask you to ask yourself real closely if this is your ideology, is the spirit that animated Margaret Sanger one that you want to hang your hat on for your future? Test the spirits. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. Now, what did Miss Sanger say? We're God. I'm God. Is there such a thing as sin? I can't say that. There are, now, by the way, she does say there is such a thing as a sin, right? Which is having children. Children who are sick. Children who are infirm. Children who are going to end up in jail. She said that out loud in an interview with Mike Wallace, all right? This wasn't like she was hiding this ideology. But that's the spirit. So if you start with whatever idea, if your idea is coming from somebody who does not acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, that he's come in the flesh, that is the spirit of Antichrist. And the ideology ultimately ends in disaster. It's why, I mean, Jesus isn't just trying to be a bully. His idea is the only idea because his idea says that you and me were sinners. His idea says that is true. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I'm not a hero in need of someone to rescue. I'm in need of rescue. That's what it means for Jesus to be the Christ. Rejecting that means that now it's about religion. And that's true whether it's secular humanism. It's true whether it's hardcore Baptistism. It's true whether it's hardcore Pentecostalism. If any idea is that now I am working and earning and making my way to heaven, that is an idea that is anti in place of Christ. Because it, I mean, it's just, if we think about it, it's so obvious. Like It's so obvious because... If it's about religion and me earning my way, then that means there's two options. I'm crushing it and I'm now superior to you and I can do whatever I want to you because I lord it over you because I'm crushing it and kicking butt and taking names in my religion. On the other hand, the other option is I'm not doing good enough and so now there's a bunch of shame and a bunch of humiliation in it and neither one of those are gospel and both of them will enslave and entrap you. Right? They're just ideas that trap you. So it's not like Jesus is just trying to say, oh, just pick one of a hundred ways. Like, it's the only way. The gospel is the only way to have a humble response because, I, look, if you grew up in any kind of religious atmosphere at all, what do you know? You got yelled at by some church lady because you were talking too much. 
And she wanted to make sure that you knew that she was doing her job and crushing you because she was, she was knocking it out of the park. She's in church every Sunday. She's sitting on the front row. She's tithing to the penny. She's spiritual. And because of that, she is superior to you and she can now blame you for that. And you spread that across any length of ideologies. None of those are gospel. I'll say this. Uh, it's worth it because we're in middle Tennessee. I pick on the left, I pick on cons- uh, hardcore progressives a lot because the, the post-truth idea is clearly inaccurate, right? It just it doesn't hold the weight. On the other hand, in Middle Tennessee especially, there's a huge move across America in some ways for conservatism in general. But understand that conservatism without Christ is just Phariseeism with an election, That's why we see so many conservative, quote unquote, candidates who are not Christ followers blowing their lives up because they were voting for the ideas of Christ without counting on the power of Christ in their own lives. They are not, he's inseparable. So we have to be careful on every juncture that we are not going down an idea that will enslave and entrap us. Those ideas, testing those spirits. Now let's define some terms here. Spirit. You think the word spirit, I think the word spirit, I think pneuma, which is the word used here, pneuma, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the pneuma of God, the breath, the life of God. That's what I think when I think of pneuma, the Holy Spirit. But there's other uses of pneuma, including this one. And this in 1 John 4 is not speaking of the spirit of God, it's speaking of one in whom a spirit is manifest or embodied, hence equivalent to actuated animated by a spirit, whether divine or demoniacal. Demoniacal? What emphasis on that syllable? What are we? Demoniacal? Demoniacal? It's demony. Demonish. One who is either truly moved by God's spirit or falsely boasts that he is. Okay? I want to say that the spirit here is not talking about some ethereal thing out in the, in the ether. This is a spirit that wants to put its ideology, and by the way, there's not just one. I've shared it before, but Michael Heiser's book, Unseen Realm, if you want to look on the other side of the curtain that is theologically rock solid, a little bit hard to read. It's like reading roast beef. I've said, it's like literally like, wow, that's dense. I'm going to need some sauce. I'm going to need some, I cut that in bite-sized pieces, but worth it because behind the scenes, there are spirits that are moving and that are animating. And so the idea that is animating the ideas of, say, Planned Parenthood is not the ideas of Jesus. The idea is the spirit that animates. That is your body broken for me, not my body broken for you. It is my body, my choice, not your body laid down for me. Look, it's, it's literally you now serve me, which is the opposite of the love that Jesus talks about, that John talks about. 27 times he uses the word love, agape love, in just chapter four alone. Okay, that is the test. Is it way against love or does it not? So let's go through this. Spirit pneuma, which is demonic force inside, animating, giving life to an idea. False prophet, someone that claims to speak in the name of God, the words of God. What did Sanger say? I am divine. I am the one that decides what is good and evil. That is literally what happened in the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is now I'm going to decide what is good and what is evil. And then test, domikazo, prove, scrutinize to see whether things be genuine or not as with metals. So it's not saying test like, 
like the number two pencils. Do they still have a number two pencil test when you do those, like with the little ACT test? Not that. You're not asking the idea questions. You are testing to see whether it is pure. And how do we test that? Well, we're gonna to get to that in just a minute because what we need to get to before we get out of here is not only do we need to test these spirits, we need to overcome these spirits, which means this is not just an intellectual exercise. This is spiritual warfare. What does he say? You, dear children, are, over, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. These spirits with these ideas, these spirits with these philosophies, they are not Christ's equal. My favorite part of Revelation is there at the end and they're gonna throw him into the lake of fire, throwing Satan himself and Jesus can't even be bothered to get out of his throne. He just sends an angel to do it because he is not that powerful. The only power that Satan has, had, will continue to have for a period, is the power of lying. It's the power of deception. Don't be deceived. You are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Now in the you and the us, who is the you? It's you and me. Who is the us? It's John and the other 11, including Paul, disciples. Like he's saying, this is how you know. Did, we, did God say this? Did Jesus say this? Test it against that. I'm gonna give you a really quick power. This is, a, this is the rule of three. I learned this from Chuck Smith 30 years ago, have never forgotten it and have used it on a regular basis when looking at stuff going on in the world spiritually. And that's simply this. You come across a new doctrine, did Jesus teach it? Did the early church practice it? And do the epistles support it? If all three of those are a yes, I'm all in. I don't know if this will offend anyone, but there were a few years ago, back in the late 1900s, at a Toronto church, there were people that were barking in the spirit. Remember that? Were you one of them, CJ? I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, I, would, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> yeah, not to do that, yeah. Now, here's the thing. No judgment on you if you did it. I'm just saying, did Jesus teach it? No. Did the early church practice it? Did the epistles support it? Yeah, well, next, we're moving on. Now, on the other hand, God's so merciful God's so gracious that if we'll start with this, like I'm starting trying to seek the truth from here. Doesn't mean I'm always gonna get it right. It doesn't mean I'm gonna crush my doctrine every time. But as long as I'm starting with this as the foundation, man, I believe Jesus can meet us in the middle even if we don't get it right the first time or 100% at all. I love that picture of prayer in the New Testament of Jesus saying incense before the throne. It just simply means that he's just sweetening up my stinky prayers. Like I'm praying this and Jesus is like lightning incense. Hey, that really stinks. Like Darren really let out a prayer there. Someone needs to light a match with that prayer. But no, what he says is I'm going to sweeten it up. This is what Darren says he wants, but here's what he really means. He's sweetening up my stinky prayers. 
He can move even in that. I've told this story many times over the years, but as a small child, fifth grade, I had broke my toe in half. The kind of break, this is a true story of a little buddy, like it broke so bad that it made a sound. Like my dad came in from the other room going, what the world was that? That was my toe, which now had a new elbow to it. So my grandfather, retired medical military, x-rays it, tapes it together, tells me to walk it off, because that's what you did in the Midwest. A female evangelist comes through this little town. There might have been 80 people in my entire church. Actually, that's probably generous. Probably like 18. Anyway, Elizabeth Bruett was her name. She comes through. And she's, you know, anybody going to be sick? Whatever, I'm going to heal you. We're going to pray for you. Now, I go down to the front. I'm in fifth grade. And look, people are falling because apparently that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, Dave, have you ever been in one of these where they fall? So I, fifth grade, I did the, I faked the fall. Hundred percent faked it. But I'm in fifth grade. Everybody, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, everybody else is falling. So here's what I'll tell you this much. If, you, if you're weirded out by slaying in the spirit, uh, take away the cat, uh, catchers. Do they still have catchers in some church? Anyway, remember that little, the little napkins? Yeah, they put the little towels over them. That was like a whole ministry. Take away the catchers. You'll find out who's actually being slain in the spirit. That's all I'm saying. If God can knock them down, he can take care of them on the way. That's all I'm saying. Point is, I fake the fall, and now I'm laying there. I'm next to Stella, who is, you know, Stella. And she's doing the, oh, store the key. Oh, she was always, that was her only thing. She would sing, that was her singing in tongues thing. And, but I'm wondering now, how long do I, like, what's the etiquette? Like, do I lay here until Stella gets, you know what I mean? I don't know. Nobody covered that going in. By the way, Stella fell asleep. I swear I'm not making that up. I can't believe I forgot that till just now. She's, she's with Jesus now, so I can make fun of her. But she, she was a single mama, 100% single. And bless her, she worked so hard, hard. I mean, like literally all night shifts and whatever. So she's on the ground praying. All of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> I can't believe I've never thought of that till just now. It's a true story, though. Anyway, here's the better part of the story besides Stella falling asleep. At some moment, I bent my big toe and realized it was healed. And I'm like, fifth grade gone. I had no wheelhouse for none of it. Other than I went in with a purple toe, taped together on crutches, walked out with a toe that wasn't purple. My grandfather re-x-rayed and it was healed. Well, yes, give glory to Jesus. Because remember what I just said, I faked the fall. I wasn't doing it right. But God's mercy met me to the, because I was literally, I was searching the spirit of God. And even if you don't get it exactly right, God has so much compassion and mercy for you in that way. So don't get too wound up on whether or not the guys at Grace Center are doing it wrong and the Brentwood Baptist guys are doing it right and God only knows what conduit's doing. But just know that as those of us that look to this as our foundation, that when we say to Jesus, teach it, do the early church practice it, do the epistles support it, that that is where we start when we're looking for testing the spirits and testing what the spirits are saying. And then the last thing that we are gonna look at before the puppy bowl is trusting the spirit, depending on the 
spirit, not just a spirit. Because there's only one that can bear the weight of my need as a human, of your need of salvation. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Do you see a theme unfolding here? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, listen, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The rest of this passage, he goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit inside of us. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? It's love. How do we test the spirits? The question is how do we test precious metals? Because that's the language it uses, is testing precious metals. How do you test them? One of the ways you test precious metals is really like uh, you take a, a gold or a silver quarter. We've got some of those at the house, locked away safely, uh, silver quarters. You put that next to a regular quarter, even if the, the real silver one is, is sort of like gross or dirty, whatever, it is still the real one. And the way isn't to look at it by appearance, but to hold it and the real one weighs more than the fake one. One of the ways you test metals is weight. One of the ways that you test your ideology, your spirit, is can it bear the weight of your world? When I was a kid, uh, I started a little thing called the Dukes of Hazard Club. It was as dumb as it sounds. But my brother Dale and I had our little BMX bikes and parents that free-ranged us. So they just opened the door in the morning and assumed we'd come home at some point when we were hungry, which mostly worked. But one of the stunts, so in the Dukes of Hazard Club, we eventually got tired of, of trying to jump on ramps and, how do I say this? When you're a young man jumping on a ramp on a bicycle, sometimes things go terribly wrong. Cash, do you smell what I'm stepping in here? Like it, you're walking funny. So we, we, we ditched the, the, the ramps and I started, again, I had this idea that, uh, and Jerry, I took a little, like a bungee cord from my dad's truck I hooked it to my belt loop and I hooked the other end to this little bridge. You guys can make fun of me, but I didn't have a frontal lobe. It's not my fault. And my parents, I don't know where they were doing. So I, I get off the bridge. It's Kelly Katherineberg, Bobby Boardman, Dale Tyler, and Travis Soper, and Darren and my butt hanging up in the air attached to a bridge. Now, keeping in mind, it's about a 15-foot drop, which is not enough to kill you, but definitely enough to change your day. And so I'll say this. I made it for the first bounce. But on the second one, rip. <laughs> and uh, have you anybody ever had the wind knocked out of you? Oh, I'll bet you. What, 12 times? How many? Ballpark me. 20 times. If you've never met Tim, the most interesting man in the world, that's actually shockingly low to me. <laughs> no, 25. 
I knocked the wind so far out of me like it was going down the Missouri River, like I was never gonna breathe again. But what happened was very simple. I didn't test to see if it could support the weight of my stupidity. And it could not. There was another moment where we were, you know, it's Nebraska, things freeze. So we're walking on the pond in Nebraska. I'm walking across, felt good until it didn't. I was doing a cold water plunge in 1983 and didn't even know that was a thing. All I knew was I just fell through the ice because the ice could not hold the weight of my life. Religion does not hold the weight of your life. Because if you're doing it right, then you're gonna feel arrogant and prideful. If you're doing it wrong, then you're gonna be shameful. And if you're doing it right, that means you can justify almost anything because you're the one that's superior. That is where totalitarianism is born out of, is without a Christian lens on it, even with a Christian lens. Look at the Crusades, look at the Inquisitions. All of those were trying to do the ideas of Jesus without the power of Jesus. And all of them ended in disaster because none of them could bear the weight of our need. Testing the spirits means, does your idea withhold the pressure of the need of your life, which is not somebody to make you happy. It's somebody to save you from your sins. The second way that ideas that silver, that gold is tested is with fire. Put your idea to the fire. It happens all the time in people's lives. You're going along, you've got this idea going, you've got this way that you're living, and then the cancer diagnosis comes, the fire hits, and your ideology did not support, cannot support the weight of your need. But the gospel, there's a friend of mine right now that's battling cancer, completely out of the blue, what he did not see it coming. And he said, man, but I'm so thankful because I was doing so many things in my own power. I was seeking my own happiness. I was, and this has absolutely stopped me dead in my tracks, no pun intended, because what he found out was that his ideology, when put to the test, burned, and there was nothing left. Put your ideas to the fire. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, that not only do we have an intellectual problem on our hands, he tells us we have a spiritual problem on our hands. So actually, you know what? Open your Bible, 2 Corinthians 10.5. I don't have a slide for this, but you guys are the smart ones at the 1 p.m. I'm sure you could find 2 Corinthians 10.5. Here, once we test the spirits, once we trust in the spirit, here's what we can do, which is overcome the spirits with this instruction from Paul when he says, first Chapter 10, verse 5. For though we live in the world, you've heard this passage, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We de listen, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience when your obedience is complete. Do you see what he's saying there? We, uh, we verse five, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every captive, every thought to make it obedient in Christ. What, if we don't do this, the idea will enslave us. If we don't enslave the idea, the idea enslaves us. 
We take the thoughts captive or the captive is us to our own thoughts. It's for freedom that he set us free. And the reminder is very simple. We're not here to have an intellectual debate without the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God unto salvation. That's the gospel. The Holy Spirit, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, right? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And what does he say will happen? He will quicken. He will, right, animate your physical body. John says that there are evil spirits out there that want to animate your body. There's only one spirit that you can trust. That is the Holy Spirit. And that power is what gives us the power to demolish arguments. One of my greatest pleasures as a pastor, one of the greatest privileges, one of the greatest weights that I care is this, carry is this. I want to love just like you want to love. But part of loving is demolishing the arguments that enslave people. For me to not say that Margaret Sanger and her ideology is from the pit of hell is to allow an idea from the pit of hell to enslave you. Now, you can still choose to be enslaved by it, but I sure as heck am not going to be silent about it because it is a lie that is imprisoning millions of people, killing millions of children. And I'll say this as I'm ending on this. If you in this room, if that has been your story and you have at some point that ideology and, and maybe you aborted a child inside of you, listen to me, please. Jesus loves you. His forgiveness extends to you. There's mercy. That's why the idea of Jesus is greater than any other one. Because if we were here about religion, then you would have to slap a scarlet letter on. We'd have to parade you around, marginalize you. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is no, come home. I'm here. I'm waiting for you. And for those of you that say, yeah, I don't like these ideas at all that are enslaving the millions of people in our world. What do we get to do? Demolish those arguments. And one of the best ways to demolish that argument is get a baby bottle and just fill it with money and save some babies and tell Margaret Sanger and every demon from hell to suck on that. Stand up, let's pray. Father, forgive me. Lord, I apologize. <laughs> Be with the pygmies down in Africa. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Darren, after dark, and it ain't even dark. Uh, Lord, I am I was a little bit sorry for my language, but I'm not sorry for my anger and my passion because I know that you're angry about this. Heaven is full of children that we'll all get to meet someday because they're a, a holocaust that happened in our own noses. And in the same way that Holocaust happened with doctors in Germany, it's happening with doctors in our country because it's the same spirit. But the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in all of us in this room. Might we rise up today and be a part of loving and bringing love to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.